0: Well hello and thank you so much for joining us. My name is Katie, I'm one of the pastors on staff here and I am so glad to be with you today. We're wrapping up our series called Game Changer where we've been talking about what it means to be a steward of our lives. So far we've talked about being a steward of our talent and our time and our money and we are ending on being a steward of our attitudes, particularly when it comes to living a life of gratitude and gratitude is extremely important to God. We find it all over scripture. Uh, just one example is in 1 Thessalonians 5:16 that says rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So there we go. Now you know what God's will for your life is. And it makes sense. Like God is a good father and we're his children and So, yeah, parents want grateful kids. Uh, Just think about any time that you've given a gift to a child. Like, why is a thank you so important? And it's more than just good manners. Like, when somebody says thank you when they receive something, it's them acknowledging that the goodness or the kindness has come from something outside of themselves, and they are acknowledging the gift giver. And so gratitude is something that God wants from us and it's also something that God wants for us. Uh, Studies find that grateful people are happier. Uh, Grateful people tend to suffer from less like health issues and just be healthier in general. Studies even find that grateful people have better relationships. And that kind of makes sense. Like when you think about the type of person that you want to work for or the type of person you want to be friends with or or the type of people you wish your family was. It's it's people who see you and recognize when you've done something good and are willing to show some gratitude for you. And I would personally love to be a more grateful person. I'd want to be one of those women who can wear a t-shirt that says grateful on it and like walk around with my hashtag blessed coffee mug and not feel like a complete fraud. Um, But I'm not there yet. I have some things that I need to get through before I get to gratitude. For me personally, when it comes to gratitude, oftentimes anxiety and fear can stand in the way of me being truly grateful for something. Like I'll start to be grateful and I'll think about all of the things in my life that are wonderful and that make my life beautiful. And then at the same time, I catch myself thinking about, how terrible it would be if those good things were taken away. Um, And so instead of just actually being grateful, it's more me thinking of like, what do I do to keep and protect the good things that I have or leading myself to believe that those good things are in my life because of something that I've done, which leads me to entitlement. Um, I feel entitled to a lot of things and please don't judge me right now. I'm just trying to be honest. I was taking lunch to a student several months ago, and as I was paying at the drive-through, they're like, hey, can you go find a place to park? Because it's gonna be 20 minutes before your food is ready. We have to cook it first. I'm like, okay. And so of course I'm late getting the food to the student, and I'm apologizing for being late while also complaining about this restaurant. And what's funny to me is this student wasn't concerned at all Uh, that I was tardy she was really concerned that I might have been one of those people to the employees like you know one of those people that just kind of expects the world and is very entitled and can often be rude and it wasn't nasty to the employee or anything but I absolutely felt entitled to my frustration like when I go into a restaurant or into a store I'm expecting excellent customer service and my logic is well I'm paying for it. But the deal is that I feel entitled to a lot of things. And even when I have a really great reason to feel entitled, I can't be grateful for something that I feel like is owed to me. And so here we are talking about gratitude. And there's some things that stand in my way and, and might stand in your way too. So today, instead of trying to look at everything that scripture has to say on gratitude, because I think that would be overwhelming. I wanna zero in on one passage from Philippians 4. Uh, The author of the book, who is Paul, has some really great things to say on gratitude about making it a lifestyle and an everyday choice. And he has three really practical takeaways for us to start living out gratitude more in our lives. So I'm gonna start in Philippians 4, four through seven. Where Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all that the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay. Okay. This passage can be hard for me because depending on what type of season of life I'm in, it lands differently. Like if I'm in a great season and things are going well, this makes a lot of sense. Like, of course, bringing my fears and anxieties to Jesus will bring peace. Like, got it, move on, right? When I'm in a season of anxiety, when life is too much and I'm overwhelmed, this passage can almost feel insensitive. And listen, I want to be respectful. I believe that the Bible is the word of God. What I'm saying is when I feel like I'm drowning and you're telling me to rejoice, I just don't know if I know how. Or sometimes when I'm anxious and I do pray and then I still feel anxiety. It's like, well, what what happened? Did I fail at something? I think when this passage rubs me the wrong way, it's when I don't quite understand Uh, where it's being presented from. So I think it's helpful for us to look at where Paul is and where the church of Philippi is, as we talk about this because the church of Philippi, like they were in a season of anxiety. This is a Christian church in the middle of a Roman city that was highly suspicious of Christians. Um, And so the church is receiving threats of violence or loss of property. And so they're asking themselves like, how far are we going to take this following Jesus thing because it might cost us everything and then Paul himself is writing to the church from prison because of his faith and so at the very least we can trust that Paul understands worry and anxiety like he's not offering the church a cute band-aid fix for their very real troubles he's saying like hey I've, I've tested this and I know that it's true And so when Paul says in verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. like This is worth paying attention to. Um, But it's kind of weird to me because like, what is the relationship between petitioning your request, which means bringing it to God over and over and over again, like arguing your case? in front of God. He's saying that, look, God's not going to get annoyed by you. Like you can be tenacious with this. Keep going to God. Keep on praying. Oh, but also do so with gratitude. Like it seems random at first, but but it's not. And, And here's what I think Paul is saying. At least in my life, anxiety comes from a fear that I will lose the good things that God has given me. I get anxiety when I think about something happening to my husband or or my job or my children. Like I'll watch my kids as they fall asleep at night and everything is beautiful and peaceful. And and I look at these children that God has gifted me with and, and all of their skills and their abilities and all of their potential. And it's like, oh, God, I hope that they use all of these wonderful things that you've given them to Grow into good adults who care for others and who make a difference in the world. Because quite honestly, they could take these same skills and they could just be really excellent leaders of their own gangs in prison. Like, I just don't know how things are going to turn out yet. And it causes me a lot of worry and anxiety. But here's the deal. Um, I don't have any control over the decisions that my kids may or may not make 10 years from now. But I did just rob myself of the joy that gratitude is offering me today. And, and I think this is what gratitude does, is it centers us in the here and the now of what God has given us to steward and to enjoy. Like God has blessed me with my children, and it's not my job to control or to manipulate them. It's, it's my job to raise them to be the best adults that they can be, the adults that God made them to be. And gratitude helps shift my focus to what is actually mine to control. I only have the things within my realm of influence to worry about. Like 10 years from now, tomorrow is just not mine. My job is to just be thankful for what's been placed in my hands today. Gratitude also reminds us uh, that we aren't owed anything to God I think this is why Paul tells us to be thankful as we're making requests to God he's saying like yes ask God for what you want and what you need but do so with thanksgiving to remind yourself that you're not asking to be compensated for something that you're a beloved child asking to be blessed scripture tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God And so if it's in my life and it's a good thing, then it's one of God's gifts. Like we aren't owed anything. All right. So did your brain just do that thing where as soon as I say that we're not owed anything, you start thinking of all the things that you've earned or that you're owed. Like, that's great. My brain does that too. Here's what I'm saying. We have a decision to make in our lives. We can choose to believe that any good thing in our life is something that we've earned and it is owed to us. Or we can say, like, I've been blessed with this and this is a gift from God. And it's just a perspective issue. Uh, for example, think of like grades at school because that's a really easy like cause and effect way to think about things. Like you put in this work, this is your grade, right? And so if you're making good grades at school or maybe you're out of school and you made great grades, like that's awesome. And I know that you have to work for that. Um, But your brain and your intellect, those are gifts from God. And so whether it's grades or it's a paycheck, you have the choice to say like, yes, this is mine because I worked for it or man, I'm so grateful that God blessed me with the ability and the personality and the brain and the intellect and the work ethic to steward my abilities well and receive these grades or this paycheck. It's just a perspective shift that helps us be open-handed and grateful for the things that are in our life. And so that's, The first takeaway from this Philippians passage is that game-changing gratitude comes from being open-handed with our gifts. Paul goes on to tell the Philippians what they should be on the lookout for. In Philippians 4, 8, and 9, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and God and the God of peace will be with you. So this is the second takeaway is that game changing gratitude comes from stewarding our thoughts and being on the lookout for good. So we need to be intentional about the types of things that we zero in on and that we focus on. This is where we get to the how of gratitude. Because it's so natural for us to sit in the negative things of life or just be hypercritical all the time. Like, I don't know why, but this somehow feels like the adult and the responsible thing to do. Like only children and cartoon characters have the luxury of focusing in on what is good. And Paul is saying, no, that's not true. No one is more in control of your thoughts and your attitudes than you are. And so you and I, it's our job to pump the brakes on negative thinking and to be on the lookout for what God is already up to in the world. Because Jesus is at work all day, every day, even when it doesn't make the news. So I have three children. They are kindergarten, first grade, and second. So mornings in my house are exciting. And every now and then, we just have one of those mornings, right? Like, my kids want to dress for the beach, and it's 50 degrees outside. Uh, The dog eats somebody's lunch off the countertop, and all of a sudden, none of my kids own shoes, okay? Just, you know, those dumpster fire mornings. And it's on those mornings when I go out of my way to continue being frustrated. Like, I'll search my playlist for the angriest music that I have. I'm driving to work more aggressively. I'm using the time at stoplights to, like, Do on how bad the morning has been and it's this verse where Paul reminds us like no that's not the type of thing you should be focusing in on because we tend to find the things that we're looking for and so Paul is saying be on the lookout for the pure and the excellent and the lovely because you will see God at work and so if you're like me um, a visual reminder is just Helpful and so I want to challenge you to write this down somewhere. It can be on an index card or you can get really artsy with it But put this somewhere where you'll see it often like maybe at your desk at work or on your mirror on the fridge Just a way to remind yourself of the things that you should be on the lookout for Because these are going to be the things in life that are going to make you grateful as you remember that we have a good God Who is at work in the world? every day And then our last point that Paul offers us in this Philippians passage is that game-changing gratitude comes from stewarding our appetites. So when it comes to stuff or status, most of the time my dissatisfaction in life is not because I'm actually in need, but because I'm not stewarding my appetite for those things well. I was in a meeting the other day, and somebody that I really look up to kind of had a vulnerable moment, and they were telling us that they just were feeling particularly insecure in their role at the time. And this kind of boggled my mind, because in my head, like, this person has arrived. Like, they've made it. I just assumed that they must go to bed every night feeling completely satisfied in the work that they've done, and just wake up every morning just ready to conquer the world, right? And so I came home and I told my husband, I really just thought that once you got to that point in your career, that, I don't know, you don't struggle anymore. And I get that that sounds dumb when I say it out loud, but I've just kind of bought into this lie that if I work hard enough now, one day I'll just make it. And like I look back to a younger version of myself and I've grown like there are absolutely things that are easier now than they were then. What I'm saying is that everything that I thought of as a rival wasn't and that the finish line just kept moving. And yet I still have this record in my head of like, man, if I could just get there in my career, I would be satisfied. Or if I could just get my house to look like this, I'd feel like a good mom. Or if I could just, if I could just. And all that is, is a recipe to never know what contentment feels like. Because there is always one more thing I could buy and one more step I could achieve. Paul says in Philippians 4:10 through 13, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Contentment is the discipline of choosing to be satisfied with what you have. And and this doesn't come naturally for most of us. Uh, The other day, my youngest was eating a really great cookie, and she put half of it down on the countertop in front of me. And I'm like, what is this? And she goes, oh, I'm full, and so I'm finished. I'm like, okay, that's not normal. I don't think I've ever put down a cookie like halfway because I'm full. And so I told her, like, no, you need to get back here because in this family, we finish what we start. Like, we're not quitters. I'm just kidding. I didn't actually do that. Um, But I, I laugh at my reaction to that because I think somewhere along the way, we confuse contentment with laziness. Like, we live in a culture that tells us that ambition is a virtue. And I just don't think that's biblical. Like if you have a thirst for righteousness or for goodness, like yes, but just raw, unfiltered ambition, we have to keep that in check because that's what tells us that we just have to keep going, that we can never be satisfied, that we can never rest because there's always one more thing to achieve. And so how do we do this? Because that's a huge question. Like how do I steward my appetites for the things in my life that I want. Okay, so that's a huge topic, and there are lots of ways to do that. I want to focus on one today, and it's simply to slow down and make time for gratitude. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Over and over and over again, Scripture tells us, to find still spaces in our life to recognize who God is. God himself rested on the seventh day of creation. And listen, that wasn't because he was tired. He was intentionally making time to enjoy the goodness of his work. And he was modeling that for you and I. But we're so busy we are so scheduled, and we often don't make time to, to rest and enjoy the goodness that's in our life and to then be thankful for that goodness and acknowledge God for being the giver of it. And y'all, I'm the worst at this. I cannot tell you how many times God has done something good in my life, and I tell myself that I'm going to make time to rest in it or to enjoy it or process it, and I just don't. Because there's always a next step. There's always something else that wants my attention. And so for me, this sentence has been a game changer in my life. And it's just telling myself, I am never too busy to be grateful for what God is doing. I'm never too busy to be grateful for what God is doing. And in my life, that takes a little bit of an intentionality. Matt and I have tried to end our day by looking back over the day and naming at least one thing that we're grateful for. And we use that list from Philippians, like what in today was pure or excellent or praiseworthy? And as we look over our day, we find that God was at work throughout it. Um, But it's up to us to be mindful and to pay attention And then also to look ahead to the next day and say, God, how do I find more of what you're doing in tomorrow? And so as I close, I want to leave you with this. I want you to do this wherever you're at. Maybe unless you're at an airport. Don't make it weird. If you're at home with loved ones and family, just I want us to pray like this for right now, just to remind ourselves that the good things in our life are a gift. They're a blessing They weren't owed to us, we don't deserve them, but it's because we have a good Heavenly Father who loves us. And I want us to take time and slow down just a moment to remind ourselves of how good God is. And then lastly, to look for the things that Jesus is already up to in the world because he is working all day, every day. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for your reminder that you are a good heavenly father who gives good gifts to his children. God, help me to see the things that you are up to in the world all day, every day. Help me to be open-handed with my blessings and remind me that they are gifts from you. And God, I pray for myself and for my friends all over at Chase Oaks Anywhere and at all of our campuses that you are a good God and there is so much in life to be thankful for. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you all so much for joining us today, and we'll see you later.